Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. This is our concepts edition for the week. I'm Devin Bedoni. And I'm Uriel Eisen. You want to hit us with a quote? A little quote for you guys. Um, Problems are jewels from Toyota, quoted in Toyota Kata. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. This is, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of that book, I think, is shifting a pers- shifting the perspective of the reader toward... Um, yeah, I mean, problems are helpful to continue improving mm-hmm. and that most of the work, I think, as, per- as perceived by Toyota, the work is reframed away from we make cars mm-hmm. to we, I don't know exactly what it is. We, we solve problems. Sort kind of. of yeah. yeah, we solve problems. We make sure like we focus on the customer we focus on value to the customer in a global sense we focus on efficiency mm-hmm. um of course there's lines in those books that's like efficiency is not the goal but <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe it's a sub goal <laughs> right. um yeah i think it's good just to always <clears throat> be flipping your perspective too and seeing it's hard to maintain that perspective that for sure problems are opportunities, not just like one other thing you have to do every day. Yeah. And I think it's essential to get that into my head because on an ongoing basis, sort of like the, one of the nice things about Kanban and some of the other tricks is that it gives you a lever to continually adjust so that failures continue to happen and so you are trying to create new failures Mm -hmm. right like that is the point of kanban Mm -hmm. as stated in a bunch of books right um is anytime everything's running smoothly you remove some kanban from the system the the analogy they use a lot is a pond full of water and every time it looks smooth you lower the water level a little bit and then you have new rocks yeah to work on um yeah, and this is probably a precursor to that because I think a lot of people who maybe don't quite understand the full JIT concept, mm-hmm. um, the the big criticism of JIT, especially after the pandemic, is basically that it's fragile. Yeah. But that was a potential name for it when it came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Instead of lean was fragile because that is sort of the point. Yeah. But you really have to hold this view of, Yeah. Oh, another problem. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, my God, what did we change? Like, why don't we just go back to what we were doing before? There were no issues. Yeah. So. <clears throat> we have an, just like sort of an aside on that note. We are running a titanium job that we've run in the past. It has a bunch of tapped holes. In the past, it's been fine. And all of a sudden, we're just like exploding taps. That is so frustrating. And. That is a jewel, my friend. It is a jewel, right? <laughs> and you were like, right before I walked in, I, I sent my crew a text because they're going to start before me today. And I was like, I've uploaded this new version of the program to Airtable. If you want to run it, great. But also, like, if you want to wait, like, this is probably a good opportunity for all of us to watch it and, like, try and learn something because clearly something is different. Interesting. Whether, you know, I mean... Like aimed coolant or... Material could, you know, maybe true. this material is more gummy than we've had in the past or, you know, there could be a wide variety of things. Yeah. And, like... Is gumminess one of the SI units? What is that? Uh, that I think that would be ductility. Okay. Potentially. Yeah. Um, 
anyhow, it's, uh, it can be hard to maintain that perspective, but be like, okay, we're going to learn something today. And <laughs> we might spend a lot on taps in the process, but, uh, it, yeah, it, anyway, it can just be hard to keep that perspective, but it is super key. I'm imagining a stick of gum in France under a glass dome as the <laughs> next to the one meter stick, although we've moved away from all those. Yeah. Um, they still exist though, right? They exist as curiosities, I think. Yeah. They're not maintained. They're not maintained anymore. I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure they're maintained like anything Isn't in a museum, but the, what we're yeah. talking about here are the yeah. standards for length, weight, um, time. Uh, mm -hmm. What other units? I don't know. But now we've, we've finally gotten to a place where those are all natural phenomenon. So it's like X yeah. number of wavelengths of like... Isn't the kilo still... No, I think it's now defined as a certain number of moles of a particular molecule, of a oh. particular, um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, anyway, and a stick of chewing gum. Um, no, so let's see. Most of my themes for this episode have to do with, we've, we've sort of been hammering hard the like, don't seek local optimum, seek global optimum. Mm -hmm. But then... Are you ready for the flip, everybody? <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, but then also bearing in mind, like, don't do anything just because we're doing it. Like, just approach it as your own problem and mm -hmm. figure out what makes sense. And then Eliyahu Goldratt theory of constraints is very much like find your constraint and just focus on improving the constraint. Mm -hmm. Don't bother with the rest. Yeah. Um, so we've sort of been talking about that a lot. Uh, and I, I, sorry, I want to interrupt real quick. I do feel like one thing that's sort of like not stated in theory of constraints, but is a reality mm. is like that, that phrase that comes right after find your constraint and optimize for that is the like, subjugate everything else to the constraint yeah and i think a lot of like all the other improvements sort of like slide in under that phrase because it's like as soon as you're like here's the constraint we're going to subjugate to the constraint <clears throat> probably in order to feed that bottleneck you have to refine all the upstream processes so i think there's a lot in theory of oh. constraints that's not really like stated explicitly but is maybe more similar to, to classic lean than we think about. The way I've thought about it is that it is a layer on top of lean to guide lean activities mm -hmm. because lean is sort of like improve everything yeah. at every time, uh, all the time. Right. Um, they're kind of specifically like improvements to the non-critical, like to the non bottleneck mm -hmm. are waste yeah because you're spending company effort now there's a whole layer which toyota kata gets into which is building your culture and building your people mm -hmm. which just as a test bed for them to experiment with means running improvements that maybe aren't directly going to be seen in the bottom line of the company mm -hmm. still has a value but very much just like only improve your bottleneck and then when your bottleneck shifts shifts the uh, yeah. shift I guess what I'm saying is that, like, there are certainly, like, unnecessary processes that happen in companies. Yeah. But also, n probably not a lot. 
because most companies are kind of constrained in some way or another. Mm. And so I would imagine that if you start to <clears throat> orient around a bottleneck and throughput increases, like all the other systems are going to have to like level up to accommodate that's true so over time you may see a very similar i think so yeah that's a good point anyway that was an aside Um, yeah Uh, so interrupted you no so i um we actually as an experiment really just to see what happens and to learn from it Mm -hmm. we switched our painting operate like our painting schedule to optimize for like i'm the one doing paint so Mm -hmm. it's optimized for my time Huzzah! <laughs> um, <laughs> as many people have encouraged me to do for a very long time, um, and so we basically uh, we have we take all of our kanban that are triggered at our assembly area. So as someone's assembling, they'll hit these cards that are yeah. placed in the bins. Those are essentially calling for replacement parts for those bins. Mm-hmm. They go on a board, and then we sort them out by color, mm-hmm. and then we just color we paint one color per day. Mm. Um, I'm sure this is going to cause issues mm-hmm. because um, it in it potentially increases the lead time of a particular part. Instead of painting in the order they were triggered, we are now painting out of order. Mm-hmm. So it is it is definitely bad from a system perspective. Well, it's bad from one system perspective. From but- a lead time perspective. From and a lead time perspective on the assembly area. Yeah. Which and an inventory lead, perspective. Yeah. Could lead to increasing the inventory. Um, could lead to uh, longer, well, ideally not longer lead times, but in the short term, potentially longer lead times if we run out of something mm-hmm. accidentally. Um, we have discussed building in sort of like expedite lanes. Mm-hmm. through there of like a separate area that's sort of like hey we're really going to need this right like if we get an order in that's a lot of one color mm-hmm. part maybe we grab those kanban when they're triggered and put them as you know as a separate thing so then we're doing two colors in a day sure these are all problems these are the exact uh these are the gems <laughs> mentioned <laughs> at the top so that's sort of the goal is to see what it causes um because it takes my it saves me about half an hour so out of an hour painting it's now more like half an hour oh. yeah so it's significant mm-hmm. um and, and so it's kind of interesting just yeah it's interesting giving ourselves <clears throat> excuse me more flexibility around like there's a level of understanding and comfort with the material of like lean manufacturing the Toyota production system I think that I'm maybe feeling a little bit that I feel like gives me a little bit more leeway now to come up with. Like before I was sort of like people were were saying like, why don't you just increase your batch sizes in the paint department? Because like just for now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sort of like, I don't feel like I have a good enough handle. Like if I'm allowing myself to cut that corner, it suggests that I understand their recommendations right to a level where i say like oh it doesn't apply here it doesn't like there's stories of toyota executives going through a plant and being like add inventory at this station right and i'd love to know what they saw there right yeah. <laughs> but they don't say right i don't know so you didn't yeah it's like you need to understand the system well enough to start breaking the rules and then seeing yeah how those effects cascade versus like if you break the rule before you understand you might not be able to comprehend the cascading effects 
and like follow them back to their root cause because they may be right. in what you did or they may be in something else completely. Yeah, or then I might go like, oh, well, let's overproduce because there's great reasons to overproduce mm -hmm. that I can also tell you that sound really <laughs> compelling and feel compelling, right? But there, Toyota says that that is the that most other waste flows from overproduction. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I'm sort of going on like, okay, I trust they came up with this pretty bold statement for a reason. Mm. So we're going to do it until it is very clear to me. <clears throat> right. Because also we do know that they overproduce sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no rules here. I mean, I think it's they just suggestions overproduce significantly based on some information that we've heard. Uh, maybe not compared to other car companies, right? But exactly. compared to what we think of as overproduction, it's like probably massive. Yeah, and like when they're like do small batch work. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, we need to cut our batch work. Meanwhile, we're cutting it from like 32 to 16, <laughs> and they're talking from like 10,000 to <laughs> 1,000. You know, which is a much bigger proportion, but yeah. is still like a thousand pieces is a lot more than 32. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, it's all the, these things, the rationalizing production part comes back into play of like keeping everything yeah, in context and rationalize your production is one of the, um, I forget what book that's from a number of them mm -hmm. dance around it, but uh, that's a Shigeo I thing, think right? it's a Shigeo thing. Yeah. Yeah interesting yeah so kind of ran into it with our paint department um and then also i've been thinking about it because we finally got a dishwasher in yeah, our house at home yeah. yeah and it's interesting because dishwashers really violate the um a lot of things you can very clearly see why they create massive inefficiencies mm -hmm. in the whole system but only if you were willing to throw out all preconceived ideas about how dishes should be used in a home, uh -huh. which I think Toyota is encouraging you to do in your production areas, right? right? It's sort of like, yeah, there's a ton of inefficiency. And if you throw out all your preconceived ideas and start solving the problems as they come up, you can come up with a much more mm -hmm. efficient system. So for example, Increasing our batch size means that we need enough dish inventory to carry us between cycles, mm -hmm. right? So classic, like now we're building warehouses, and in this case, warehouses are cabinets. Mm -hmm. The thing is, and this back to the TOC concept, um, right now, firstly, we're going to own this number of dishes because we like having guests over, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to ask people to eat sequentially. But yeah. production leveling would suggest <clears throat> that you should eat sequentially. Right, you're not going to reduce to a dish number of one. <laughs> right, like here, you eat this dish, pass it back to the kitchen. Meanwhile, we've fired the next yeah. batch, right? <laughs> like, we're not going to do that for other reasons. Also, we didn't build the house. Um, and so we're not going to, like, peel cabinets off the walls sure. or, like, get to reduce our square footage because we rented the whole spot. Like, so there's just <laughs> other constraints that, and this is sort of rationalize your production. It's like, at the moment, actually, the thing I'd like to optimize for is my time. Yeah. But I think where it's really interesting is that um, it is very easy for that to then get baked in 
to our understanding. Like, let's say from this rental, we did decide to buy our own place. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, okay, what size kitchen do we need? We'd probably go measure our current kitchen mm-hmm. to get a sense of it, right? Yeah. And that has a ton of waste built in. And so it would be very tricky to re-examine that and to say, what if we didn't have a dishwasher? Could we get... Like, I'm imagining like moving from a normal, quote-unquote american home into a tiny house Mm -hmm. these things would require rethinking right because it is a drastic shift Mm -hmm. but it's easy to become normalized and this is something i've talked about and struggle with in the shop is it's so easy to to, for all of our current methods to just start to feel like oh yeah this is how we do it right and not be cognizant of like the five extra steps we take to move parts from here to there. Like yesterday we got in some replacement titanium for our pins. Mm -hmm. I took the package. I like got, it's like those long cardboard tubes. Yeah. Um, like sort of dumped the, the, like flipped it over, got the rods out, sort of like wrangled them, Mm -hmm. walked over to the area where we keep them started to slide them in, realized I hadn't brought the Kanban over. So I walked back across the shop to get the Kanban. <laughs> I sort of put it all on there and then I walked back over, slid them in, and then I got the tube and like put it over in the recycling area. Yeah. Then I got um, bandsaw blades and similarly took them over to the bandsaw area, realized I didn't have the Kanban, <laughs> walked back over, got the Kanban, realized that the Kanban, we just got in these plastic sleeves for all our Kanban yeah, just to you were protect that. them from yeah. greasy fingers. They're, they're on paper, so they were getting pretty beat up. Which I think, like, just to inter- interrupt for a second, uh, I was actually talking with Joe at Cobra Frame Building the other day about Kanban. and Yeah. Um, I think paper is great and non-laminated is really important. We tried to laminate all of ours early on. Same. And being, I just like, just jumping in here real quick, like being able to edit your Kanban. Like live, it, live with zero effort. Basically. Yeah, is yeah. super, super key. Yeah. And so I think the sleeve over, like I think paper is good, but the sleeve over paper is like kind of a really nice yeah. middle ground where you can not have it just start to look like crap or be unreadable if it gets wet. Yeah, so we had that with a few of our like, um, stock got coolant on it. Yeah. Our, our stock Kanban got coolant on it and yeah. it's unreadable. Um, Toyota recommends using vinyl sleeves. We looked into that. They're around a dollar a piece or a little under 80 cents a piece mm-hmm. for like a nice heavy vinyl. Mm. That felt like more than we kind of wanted to. I don't know. For now? Yeah, like the whole thing feels so. I don't know. So just to complete the thought. <clears throat> um, so walked over to the bandsaw area to hang them up, realized I didn't have the Kanban, walked back over to the Kanban area, mm. found the Kanban, realized I needed a sleeve, walked over to the sleeve area, <laughs> got a sleeve, um, melted a hole in the sleeve to hang it from the screw where the blades hang, walked back to the blade area, realized I had l- dropped, put down the blades, the new blades over by the Kanban area. So I walked back over there, <laughs> got those, came back, hung it all up. Yeah. And that, in the moment, is very hard, I find, to sort of flag and be like, okay, what was all that? Right. How do we reduce that? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're thinking about a lot of these kinds of things as we start to lay out our new space. Yeah. And it's, yeah, making these things intuitive. And so it's hard to do it the wrong way. is tricky to to piece it all together in a way that 
you know, it's very easy to be like, oh, we'll just set this here and it'll be obvious. And then you're like, oh, well, it's actually not really obvious. It needs to be like in your way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it has sure. to be like, oh, you have to open this gate or whatever, that, you know, not actually a gate necessarily, but like some constraint that requires you to engage with these systems because we are really good at just going about our day and doing our thing and being in our own kind of pattern. Um, I think initially you really need triggers sort of to engage, um, as you go about these processes. Yeah. Yeah. This is sort of the difference between like Pokeyoke and, um, yeah. SOPs. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's nice that you can write something on a piece of paper, but that does yeah. not yet mean that it gets followed. I think something we're struggling with currently is building a culture of working from SOPs, mm -hmm. which we 100% do not have, mm -hmm. except in cases where the thing you're doing is so intermittent that you've totally forgotten how to do it. Yeah. But everything else, and I, reading these books, basically, we just don't have the layer of the, I forget what they're called, but like the line or the team lead. Mm -hmm. the team leader at Toyota, they have a person whose basic job is to make sure that everyone is working to the standard. Mm -hmm. And then when there's a deviation, sort of flagging it and implementing a solution. Mm -hmm. We don't have that. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say we need to get there before we can start moving in the right direction. But Yeah, yeah this kind of ties into um, a <coughs> quote from Toyota Kata, which I started this last week and I'm really enjoying um, the, the quote was continuous improvement at the very least will maintain stasis in the face of entropy. And I think that's a very, that, it's a thing that uh, just people forget is that entropy exists in all systems. Oh God, does it ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think we have very commonly, we have this idea that if you sort of set a standard and, and design a process and implement a process that it will continue that way. And the reality is that it will not, it will slowly break down over time, kind of no matter what. And that continuing to engage in improving the process is the only way that you can combat that entropy. And if you're lucky, maybe it actually gets better, but at the very least it will, maintain the state at which you're at, which will not happen otherwise. And I've already started to kind of see that, you know, where we like implement a system, we're really good at it for a little while, and then kind of things start to fall off and then we forget. Yeah, everyone's focus shifts to the new thing everyone's working on and yeah. it's top of mind. And then that thing yeah, yeah. shortcuts start happening or you start you encounter a use case that wasn't really part of the original problem, but you're mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, here's a close enough workaround. Yeah. Or <laughs> things in the process break and people make other little workarounds. And so I thought that was just a really interesting thing to bring up is yeah. Just that like, we have to do this, that it's not like, it's not really an option if you want to maintain systems. And I've like been to a couple of shops recently where I've like seen that they had a heyday <laughs> uh -huh. And then you look around and you're like, whoa, like this, you know, right. just like seeing a place and be like, this has been degrading <clears throat> for the last 15, 20 years. And this is what it looks like now. And it's pretty intense, <clears throat> you know, to sort of like see it, like yeah. actual <laughs> physical stuff. And you're like, that's a broken machine. That's a bunch of stuff in a pile on the floor that's been there for six years, probably. Right. Um, 
obviously that's one end of the spectrum that's you know there's a large middle ground in which a company can kind of function effectively um but there was another point that this quote came up in which was kind of like the difference between every person making improvements in their process every day and doing kind of like uh, the example was a company that was like, we have a hundred process or 50 processes or something. And like on every, we do one, like in like a Kaizen event uh, every week. And, th and then <clears throat> the consultant, whoever he was talking about was like, well, that means your process is stayed, uh, Slip for like a year. Yeah, your processes, <laughs> yeah, are uh, stagnant for a year on the improvement side. So they're probably actually going backwards. Uh huh. Because you're only doing one per week, and then it doesn't get it for another year. And it was that was kind of like a whoa moment, you know? Because I think right now we're doing a lot of that, yeah. right? Where we do yeah. kind of like one thing, and then like get it into we implement and get it into production processes. Um. So I think it's good to have that. I think that's where we're going to be for a little while because totally. we're learning. Um, but it's good to have that idea in mind that like the only way you can sort of combat this entropy is to have everybody improving their stuff on a daily basis. Otherwise it's going to go backwards. Yeah. I think that's a really solid point also because the biggest pushback I hear when I'm trying to talk more people into starting down this mm -hmm. uh, rabbit hole <laughs> is basically like, we have a business already and we're very busy. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. And, and this frames it in a different light, which is like just some of this is your only option for not backsliding. Yeah. Your and, business is decomposing even though you don't realize it. Yeah. At every point. Yeah. And like I have, I just had this yesterday where I went to whatever export a, uh, spreadsheet of all of our products and it turns out a while ago we had come up with like a nice way of giving each one a, a skew mm. and there was a whole spreadsheet and it had all the information to generate new skews and all that yeah we've added uh, a bunch of new stuff haven't gone back to that spreadsheet and updated it every time yeah so like that's a huge backslide. Like we put in a bunch of effort to get everything on this thing, and then it was just like another <laughs> thing that, and it got dropped. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. That's yeah. That's that's <laughs> what it is. Um, um <clears throat> sort of continuing on that theme of the book, there was one uh, cool quote I thought, which. Um, was just the definition of management in their terms. Um, the systematic pursuit of desired conditions by utilizing human capabilities in a concerted way. I thought that was a cool, that's different than how a lot of people think about management, right? Yeah. So again, that's the systematic pursuit of desired conditions by utilizing human capabilities in a concerted way. Yeah, I like that. Because I think often we think of management as like a little bit like firefighting, right? <laughs> I think of running businesses as... <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it's easy to think about management as like you've given people tasks and your job as a manager 
is to make sure they are doing their tasks. And that's very reactive instead of trying to change the perspective to like proactive and think about my job as a manager is how best to utilize these people's capabilities to get to where we want to be. Right. And that definitely immediately raises the question where do we want to be? And that is, and where are we (laughs) probably sort of a three territory? Uh huh. Right. I think, I don't know. Yeah, it could be A3. It could also just be like having a, you know, a strong definition of what your company is and, you know, where the company as a whole wants to progress to. Yeah, but I think like, I think having each person extrapolate out from like big company goals down Mm -hmm. to the parts that they interact with is sort of unfair is probably an overstatement but like sure, sure, you haven't yeah. hired them to do that no. kind of and so i think like i think it's a little later in the book um but they start talking about like setting good goals and that setting a goal that is impossible and setting a goal that is very easily achieved are both very not satisfying to pursue mm. and so you need to come up with goals that are at first there's no way like when someone states it, you're not like, oh, I know the solution, right? Mm-hmm. So not immediately solvable, basically, was their happy place mm. um, to get people excited and feel a real sense of accomplishment when they do figure it out. Interesting. Um, and I think... Yeah, but not something you're going to work on for 10 years and then jump off a building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so so sort of hitting that sweet spot of... And I, and I think that's sort of like you have your big goals and then you have sort of what that means for this production line or this office or this workflow. It's kind of like, I don't know. I like asking the question in our shop, like, what would it, what is keeping us here from, from doing this task in half the time, mm-hmm. which that's hard, right? If you could, if it was easy, you'd mm. feel like a, that's a cool prompt though. Yeah, it's just like, and then you start looking at it, and you're like, oh man, that's taking time, and that's taking time. Like, why are we doing it? Or are there faster ways of doing it? Um, I still love the uh, the concept of degreasing in our tumbler. Mm-hmm. We haven't implemented it, so how much do I love it? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, yeah, that recommendation by Avi, I thought was, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like rethinking something yeah. instead of improving it a little bit yeah like having that more audacious maybe audacious is also an overstatement but how do i write an email in half the time you know Mm -hmm. not how do i improve this by two seconds which is also an approach that i think is good Mm -hmm. if you do that every day you really make a lot of forward motion over the course of a year yeah what's the phrase like it's sort of like paul Akers. shoot for the moon and oh i know you're talking about yeah yeah if you, yeah, shoot for the moon and gain two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. One last little tidbit from that. Another quote was, um, <clears throat> actually, I don't think this is a direct quote. I think I shortened it slightly. But um, one thing that the author was bringing up as a difference between Toyota and a lot of other companies is using organizational routines as kind of the goal 
versus quantitative targets. Oh yeah, I really liked that chapter. Yeah, this was actually just in the forward. Oh, funny. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I got like three, three uh, pretty good tidbits just out of the forward, which tells you kind of the, yeah the class of book. Um, and I thought that was just a like we talked a little bit last week, I think, about kind of like sort of how you set the expectation for improvement and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and how people are very attuned to like what you're measuring and what you ask about. And this kind of, I think drives right into that where it's like setting routines for improvement and setting the expectation that like that is part of the routine is effective. Whereas saying like, I want to see six improvements per week, maybe not so much. Yeah. Maybe you end up with people taking photos of like really, I don't know, negligible or misguided or yeah. instead of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting because one of the big differentiators that they brought up, I think a little later in the book, because um, I think there's a chapter on this book, mm. uh, or on this, on this concept, concept, was basically like those quantitative targets are generally extremely lagging, mm. right? Like you Like are you hitting production for most companies, you can have it by a, a minute by minute. Like we know tax time and yeah, yeah. we have a clock that's comparing real uh, throughput <coughs> to tax time. And that I think also counts as not what they're aiming for. Mm-hmm. But even so, like a lot of the goals are sort of like revenue targets or yeah. throughput targets by department measured sort of monthly or measured weekly. But it's sort of like, and even actually, if you are just measuring to tact, mm-hmm. if that is all you're saying and you're like, why aren't you making tact, then that is still a trail, a trailing metric of the, like, where did that issue come from? Mm-hmm. Which would be probably you're not following this routine, mm-hmm. right? Like typically, I think they, they ask like, if there is an issue on the line, like an and on light goes on, um, it's kind of like, was there, was our SOP being followed? Mm-hmm. And if it was, we have an issue with the SOP. If it wasn't, why wasn't it being followed? Not like a, why wasn't it being followed? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yell at you more like there must be a good reason, right? It's not ergonomic or the, the parts are coming in from the previous department with a slight defect or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, their, their big thing was basically like quantitative targets are easy. Um, but they're not, you can't drive, you can't, you can't create success by measuring more things by measuring failures. <laughs> right. Essentially. Right. Cause yeah. that already happened. Right. You will like, it's a asymptotic thing, right? You will never like go beyond. You could maybe mm-hmm. theoretically get to zero failures, but you will never increase to a, a to a better state. You will just minimize your lag effectively maybe. with a trailing i think maybe you could i mean someone could come up with like you have a target of make 100 a week and they're like oh we just figured out to make 150 sure right? sure yeah but i guess like conceptually yeah like, like it's not it's not a thing that is forward like you're saying it's yeah. not forward facing it's it's mitigating losses basically yeah um Right. I mean, if I told you like, hey, I want you to drive to the supermarket and here's a here's um, and, and then I'm standing at the supermarket going like, oh, where's Devin? That is very different than than like teaching 
you know, or explaining to someone like, here's here's the here's turn by turn, <laughs> and then here's a way of figuring out if you're off the route, and then here's how you read a map, and then here and, and <laughs> right like you can add a lot of layers that really yeah then are kind of a proactive way of making sure people get to the supermarket, (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is, instead of just being like, Oh, why aren't you here? Well, this sucks. Now our, whatever our milk has spoiled because we're dropping off milk at the supermarket, Uh, you know, whatever. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, I I really liked that one. Um, What did it make you think for your shop? Or maybe that's a too personal a question. No. (laughs) Um, to be honest, I'm not sure I've gotten like to the point of really <clears throat> integrating these concepts. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the um, I think the continuous improvement at the very like in the face of entropy, I think that really hit home. Hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's something I've been experiencing, and it both pers- like myself. <clears throat> trying to maintain things that I've just like trying to implement for myself as well as systems we've been trying to implement in the shop. So I think that one really did hit home. Um, and then the other two, the ma- the systematic pursuit of desired conditions by utilizing human capabilities in a concerted way. And then routines for improvement, not quantitative targets. I think like how to say this, they're giving me sort of a sense of mm. a direction I have not gotten to the point of being like this is how I think we could start to I hesitate to use the word implement <laughs> but integrate um, them into the shop yeah uh, I do feel like I have been doing a, I guess this is sort of a tangent but doing more work recently to include my crew in the in the decision making process oh cool um, and maybe we can talk about this more in the, uh, the next episode cause it's maybe more topical, but, uh, trying to, I guess, utilize their capabilities just on the daily basis, um, and work as a team towards kind of a more common goal, mm-hmm. not so much pr- in a production setting, but in the business as a whole. Like we are in the production right. setting, we do interact daily, and there's a lot of overlap. But in terms of thinking about the system as a whole, trying to have that be less like me designing something, passing it off, and more like, hey, let's look at this. How are we going to approach this problem? How are we going to solve this issue? What's this going to look like? Um, That's very cool. So I guess maybe I am starting to integrate it, but it hasn't been a super conscious thing. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's probably a good good time to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, thanks all so much for listening. Uh, really appreciate the support. And um, you can find me on Instagram at austere underscore manufacturing and on the internet at austeremfg.com. You can, <coughs> excuse me. You can find me at lichen underscore mfg on Instagram and on the World Wide Web at... <laughs> lichenprecision.com and we will see you in a few days. Yes, indeed.